heavy track today. Yeah, not vibing risky lettuce, getting sinker vibes. I don't know, says on the Tab app she's firming. Don't just vibe it, get expert tips in Tab's new race feed. Tab, we're on. What are you really gambling with? This is RSN's Racing Pulse. Great to have your company once again on Racing Pulse and it's great to have our man... Over from the UK, he loves coming out to Melbourne in spring carnival time. And I speak of Lee Modishead, who arrived here just in time to witness a spectacular Cox Plate Day. How are you, Lee? I am very well. I had my best night's sleep so far. <laughs> Up at 2.45, but I got five and a half hours, and that is a major improvement on the trip so far. So, hang on, you've been awake since 2.45, or did you go back to sleep? I've been awake since 2.45, but the previous night, I was awake for midnight. Oh, my god! So, I have not... Bizarrely, given I've done this trip quite a few times now, and normally I am good as gold, but this trip I have not been sleeping. It has been heavily rationed. So I'm hoping now I'm over the worst of it. Well, uh, SMS your uh, jet lag remedies for <laughs> Lee Modders Head. Uh, the best of it will give a Manong a state twin pack to if it can actually work. Uh, so do you, do you get up and wander the streets or do you just stay in your hotel I room? I did go for a walk two nights ago, yeah. I did go for a walk two nights ago. I have tried most things. I did the glass of milk a couple of nights ago. <laughs> um, I, but the, the problem is you start stressing about it, mm. don't you? And I was having a chat with the croc Jim McGrath at Flemington yesterday. And, of course, Jim has done this so many times. And his advice was good advice. He said, just don't worry about it. If you can't sleep, don't stress. I've always wondered how the jockeys handle it oh. because they're flying in the international yep. superstars. Yeah. Like, we'll see Holly Doyle, we'll see Ryan Moore, we'll see the others. Come, come straight from the Breeders' Cup as well. Yep. Land and then ride in the Cup and then bounce out. Uh, the other end and off to another international meeting. Yeah, well, I mean, look at, um, in particular, Holly Doyle and Tom Mark on this year. Um, Tom will be riding at the Breeders' Cup. As you say, Holly's suspended, so she actually can't ride the horse that she was set to ride. They will then come into Flemington, and then I think on Tuesday night, they're off to Japan mm. for a stint over there. Now, it has to be said, I don't expect Ryan Moore will be flying cattle class, so that won't be, that won't be an issue for him. Um, but even so, it's still a difficult old mm. thing, isn't it? I, I, I couldn't do it. I mean, three days in, I'm just about ready to chat with you, Michael. But <laughs> I certainly couldn't be thinking of riding Vauban around Flemington. Well, the other added bonus the jockeys have is that they can all lie absolutely vertical in the flatbeds when they're up in uh, in uh, the premium class. Uh, this is true. So I thought you were a business class man. I did, did this this year. I I was I was fortunate to wow. receive a, a travel upgrade but but for a working class boy it was a very strange experience uh here comes one bananas and sunlight for jet lag bananas and sunlight how's yes. that work then? Uh, well i don't know the bananas have a lot of potassium in them and okay get your vitamin b from sunlight so okay do you like well, bananas I, I i was yeah i i have already bought bananas from queen vic market on this trip, as well as mangoes, and this this is just this is you know part of the course. But I'm a big mango man, Michael. And okay. Aussie mangoes taste different to the mangoes we get at home, although they're not homegrown English mangoes. We don't have many mangoes. No, <laughs> I would imagine you. How don't. do you get onto mangoes? I don't know. Bananas, bananas. There you go. Yeah, uh, it is bananas at the moment. Uh, what did you make of uh, seeing Vauban this morning at Flemington? Uh, he certainly set the tongues wagging from all yeah. the locals here. Did he look good to your eyes? He did. He moved a bit, didn't he? He mm. was a bit sharp. Um, I think among the locals, there was eyebrows raised about how he was ridden and about how serious a workout it was. But that's what, that's what Willie Mullins does. 
Um, he's been whizzing round Werribee. Um, he would be used to hard work back at home. That's what Willie's jumpers will be doing now out of the core season. So I think it was to be expected. But I think certainly if you are a, a Vauban supporter, and there will be many of mm. them already, and there'll be many more between now and 3pm on Tuesday week, I think you'll have been encouraged by what you saw. How good is he, Lou? He's very good. Yeah, Compare him to some of the others that we've seen that have had big raps on them in recent years. Well, I think he is certainly the best horse and the best prospect that Willie Mullins has brought to a Melbourne Cup. And when you think he's had the second, third and the fourth before, that says a lot. And in the years I've been coming out here, Michael, I can't recall a European horse going into a Melbourne Cup with what looks to me as obvious a chance of winning and probably winning well. Gee whiz. I think there yeah, I think the and there's tremendous stable confidence behind him. Um I think what's what's really interesting is how long a plan this has been. So Vauban won the Triumph Hurdle at the twenty twenty two Cheltenham Festival, March twenty twenty two. Triumph Hurdle um, is the big race for juvenile hurdlers, so for four-year-old hurdlers. It's for the first season hurdlers. And straight after the race, I've got, I've got a quote up here, Michael. So Willie said to us in the winner's enclosure, uh, imagine what we'll do is hurdle this first season, then give him the summer off hurdles. So give, give him the summer off, hurdle next season, uh, and then go flat racing after that. And I'd love to win the Melbourne Cup but that might be in 2023. There you go. So he was telling us in March 2022 that the plan for Vauban was the 2023 Melbourne Cup. And what was that at that point? Uh, a year and eight months down the line. Now, to this point, the plan has gone exactly as he predicted. Vauban hurdled the last uh, British Irish jump season. He did perfectly well. It's, it's traditionally a very difficult season for a, a jumper who goes into their sort of four into five season. And he found himself up against Constitution Hill in the champion hurdle. He is a freak and he's probably the best hurdler we may have ever seen uh, over jumps. He ran perfectly well. That's hard for us to get our head around that we're yeah. talking about the favourite in our great race, yeah. the Melbourne Cup, who last or two out of his last four starts, he's been beaten or three out of his last five starts, he'd be beaten in hurdles. Yeah. The top hurdles. What would what, the, would, the what would Constitution Hill do? So I think if Constitution Hill was uh, trained with a flat campaign in mind, he would be, uh, I'd confidently say, a weight-for-age group-class horse, middle-distance staying races. Um, and Nicky Henderson, his trainer, has joked that he mm. might think about running him in a gold cup at Ascot on the flat. He won't do because his mindset is very much trained towards winning champion hurdles with that horse. But he is he's very good. And I think in some ways, what you've got here in terms of thinking is the antithesis of, of how it normally goes. Because the great thing about, I think, Australian flat racing is you don't put horses in boxes. Back home... People can't get their head around how a horse like Solcombe, for example, mm. who we knew as a, a gritty long-distance horse can be winning races over a mile and a furlong at a, at a relatively high level. And I think that's because over here you see horses differently and you campaign them differently. And there isn't um, a sense of bewilderment that a stayer can be campaigned over a mile at the start of a campaign. Now, in some ways... 
you have it the opposite way around in terms of looking at a horse who's run over hurdles and think, how can this horse be now uh, a favourite for the Melbourne Cup? But there's actually a long tradition back home of dual-purpose horses, horses we've had older listeners might have heard of a horse called Sea Pigeon, who was a great stayer um, on the flat uh, in the late 70s and early 80s, but was also a dual champion hurdle winner. Mm. Um, and of course, the thing is, Willie Mullins is a jumps trainer. That um, Willie Mullins dominates at the moment jump racing back home and in Ireland. He is the preeminent force. That is his business. But he also trains a few nice flat horses, and he knows that his best prospect of winning a major, major international race on the flat is the Melbourne Cup. So for him, I think this is perfectly normal. Max Dynamite, who finished second in the Cup and third in the Cup, had run over hurdles in both those years going into the Melbourne Cup. And if we rebound back 30 years, Dermot Weld, vintage crop, ran in the champion hurdle, the same race that Vauban ran in on his way to a Melbourne Cup. It's not a deal, not a factor at all. I wonder, there's a lot of emphasis on... The Aussie buyers going to Europe and buying the stayers, 90% of the the field will be originally from Europe in the Melbourne Cup. How much would a horse like Vauban or an elite hurdler cost to buy in Europe? Um, they're very, they very rarely come on the market as established stars. They're bought as, as young stock. There's not a huge amount of, of trading. So it's a difficult question to answer. Um, and of course, the, the, the problem with a horse like that when they come on the market is there's no uh, residual value, if you like. You, you, you race them and then you enjoy them, but you're not going to sell them on to a stud career. So it's a, it's a hard question to answer. I think certainly a horse like Vauban would go for, if he was on the market now, um, bear in mind what he can do on the flight, he, he'd be going for, for seven figures, mm. I think, um, in terms of in terms of sterling. Um, but he would never be, he, the horse like that would not be sold over here. In fact, the, the, the problem that we've got back home now, as anyone who saw the results at the recent horse yes. in training stadium new market, is we, we're not keeping horses like that. You know, horses that would generally in the past have gone on to be hurdlers, have gone on to be racing at the Cheltenham Festival and race at the Champion Hurdle. That sort of dual purpose horse isn't going on to hurdles now because you're buying all of them. You know, horses like um like Sulkin maybe, once upon a time you might have thought that horse would end up as a as a, a decent hurdler, but not anymore because the major Australian trainers, the the the, the Chris Wallers, the Gay Waterhouse, that they they they're looking to to those horses in training sale and buying all these horses that are going to become cups horses over in the future, but might once upon a time have gone on to be hurdlers. Yeah, I think there was something like forty percent of the the horses in that recent yeah. sale were coming to a um, coming to Australia. Yeah, and as you say, you look down the, the cut field, Michael, and a significant number of these horses, as you say, that they're the Europeans, but they're, they're also Europeans who run to a a high level you know you've got a number of these that were trained by Nebrine um, just looking down United Nations won a derby trial at Lingfield last year you've got Magical Lagoon yeah, heck she's an Irish Oaks winner who's gone and been sold to Australia so the, the the market from Europe to Australia is so red hot now and I was speaking to uh, to Gay Waterhouse last week for a feature runs on the post on Sunday looking back to Vintage Crop and how that changed everything and she was making the point that to be in it, to, if you want to, to to win it, you've got to be in the game of buying these European horses. But they are now 
very expensive. And the, the competition for those horses and the prices going up is because of that Aussie interest. I want to run through a couple of these European yeah. horses to get your opinion. Obviously, Vauban's the number one. So could you see any way that absurd can beat his more highly rated stable mate? I just can't see it myself. Um, if you look at that Copper Horse handicap from the Raw meeting, Vauban has crushed him, really. Um, seven and a half length beating, and he wasn't hard-pressed to win by seven and a half lengths. In terms of pure handicapping, um, in terms of the, the weights that I know horses by, he's four pounds better off absurd for seven and a half lengths. There's no way that, that turns around the form. Yes, absurd has improved since then, and he's on an Ebor at York, and that was a, a really solid performance but Vauban has improved since then and won a group three at Nace so they're both better horses than we saw um in uh in June at Royal Ascot um if you watched where uh, the action at Werribee and watching Vauban and Absurd going around and again today I don't think on that visual evidence mm. you'd be massively confident about Absurd beating Vauban but equally there's such good prize money here that if Willie Mullins thinks that Absurd is a candidate for second or third it's worth bringing him mm. over Mikey, did you clip up Craig Williams' um, wife's uh, pronunciation of Lastoshka? Lastoshka. Oh, oh my God. Lastoshka. There you go. That is impressive, it isn't is. it? That is impressive. <laughs> what chance do you give uh, this former Frenchman uh, well, in the cup? Well, she's interested because she's one of these um, Europeans that comes over for a Melbourne Cup where a lot of the locals here will say, we don't really know much about this horse she hasn't got a profile over here well she didn't have much of a profile in europe in the sense that she's a horse who has run well in in group races and has won group races including on her most recent outing but she was never never been a high profile um european horse she's never burst through into the the highest level so in that sense um she's a bit of a a head scratcher um she's a tiny mm. uh little horse um the, the, there's no size about her looking at her form actually one thing that that ties in her to a lot of the the europeans and not just the europeans this will be gold trip as well is you would wonder whether the ground is going to be right for she's got lots of form on on soft ground um and therefore i'm not sure that the the glorious weather we're having in melbourne at the moment will be ideal for her. i should have asked you that about Vauban as well well yeah and and, and it's a fair question because you look at his most recent win uh, in Ireland, that was on, on soft ground. He obviously comes from France where traditionally their horses tend to prefer soft ground. Uh, he's got lots of jumps for him on soft ground. But the win at Royal Ascot was on a on a quicker surface. And the way they have been galloping him at Werribee and again here today this morning doesn't suggest that they fear that quick ground will be an issue. But 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 if you are thinking of potential reasons to take on Vauban. I suppose, theoretically, the ground could be a concern. Mm. But I don't think that's going to stop his price contracting between now and 3pm next Tuesday. Had a chat to Chris Waller this morning about what he's going to do with Sulkham. Blinkers yeah. come off. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you've seen a lot of him back home, and he was a horse that wasn't quick away back home, but he seems to be getting worse at the moment. Like, What's your thoughts about Sulkham? Uh, he was one of those going into the spring the spring campaign that I thought was a real player among the the home team. He epitomises the talent drain 
that we've had at home of horses leaving Britain for Australia and he was much missed and I thought his early runs this season were so encouraging um, but he did walk out the gates last time didn't he in the Caulfield Cup and that has to be a concern because although his run style is to come from the back anyway you don't want to be giving away that amount of distance in a Melbourne Cup um, He his form back home turned around when headgear went on that was the making of the of the horse but if Chris Waller thinks that the headgear is no longer necessary then I'd absolutely bow to his his judgment in terms of what he's seen I think if you took out the the last run where I thought even allowing for the start I thought it was a little bit flat if he comes back to his best uh, he would be a player mm. one of those coming from behind whereas I imagine that Vauban will be ridden prominently and if he's in the first sort of six, he breaks well and gets a good position going past the stands first time, he'll be ridden promptly. And I guess they'll play almost catch me if you can story with him. And then it's a case of whether horses like Solcombe and Gold Trip can do the catching. What about without a fight? He came out as one of the favourites last year. He didn't get track conditions that suited him, but he's he's come back a, a revelation. Um, obviously, he was trained by Simon and Ed Crisford last year. How do you see without a fight in the Cup next Tuesday compared to 12 months ago? Well, I think compared to 12 months ago, he will be much, much happier on the surface we're going to get. The soft ground uh, at Flemington last year didn't play to his strengths. Uh, Again, even allowing for that, I thought he was disappointing in the race 12 months ago. He looks like he's progressed uh, from then to now. I think, he's again, he's one of these horses that has really thrived in Australia you couldn't help but like what he did in the Caulfield Cup. I just wonder whether that race will prove to be better suited to him than a two-mile test in a Melbourne Cup, particularly if we get a solidly run race. I I'd certainly wouldn't um, uh, be discounting his chances, but but I, I, I think he had a better chance of winning a Caulfield Cup than he does mm. a Melbourne Cup. Gold Trip's obviously a horse that you've known for a long yeah. time. He finished fourth in an arc. He's... He's just been uh, an absolute warrior. Uh, it'll be the the second year in a row that he's run in all three majors and performed unbelievably well, arguably going better yeah. than he was 12 months ago. Where do you have Gold Trip in the Cup this year with the weight and the likelihood of a of a firm track on Cup Day? Well, again, I think the, the track isn't what they would like ideally. He clearly loved the surface last time. He loved getting his toe in. Um, again, we knew that from his, his European story beforehand but he's got he's got a class about him that not many in the field have got um and I think the ground whilst it won't be ideal for him I don't think it will finish off his chances for me he is I mean it's a betting says this as well he is the most likely danger Mm. to Vauban but I but I think he is um I, I was surprised that um Mark Zara got off him but um, the replacement's not bad. No, <laughs> James McDonald. Are you surprised at what future history's been able to do since joining the Mar Eustace stable? Um, not necessarily, because they, they know what sort of horse to uh, to pick to come over here. And he is a relatively um, lightly raced animal. And I think on what he's done so far, um, and he starts for, for Mar Eustace, you would have to, you'd have to give him a chance. And I think, you know, again... Um, Aussie listeners will be looking at Holly Dole and, and not really probably knowing a huge amount 
about Holly Doll, but she is uh, a seriously good jockey. Um, she has broken all the records for female flat jockeys in Britain. Uh, she is very effective as well as a as a lightweight jockey, which will come into into um, into effect next week. And yeah, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if that horse ran well. Um, and I say he's a horse who who's who's jockey, although he hasn't got, she hasn't got experience of riding in a race like the Melbourne Cup, she will not mm. be a negative to his chances. A, a few others, I just want to pick your brains as well. Alan Kerr has been a disappointment, no two yeah. ways to look at it since coming to Australia. What do you think about 3,200 metres, Alan Kerr? Um, I never really saw him as a a speed horse. You know, he, he won a mile and a quarter group one um, in Ireland the Tats Gold Cup, but he always looked like a horse who would be better than that over further. He won a, a man half can go with the seven stakes at Royal Ascot. And for me, he looks like a horse who could well stay two miles. I think the issue with him is that when he won that Tatsall's Gold Cup, he had an incredibly hard race. And I know uh, William Haggis, his former trainer, interviewed him this year for the post and we were talking about Alan Kerr and I think their feeling at the time was that that race had really floored him Mm. and you just wonder whether mentally the exertions that day left a mark in Alan Kerr now I'm sure the 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 hope and the expectation was that coming over here different way of life different weather variety of training methods it might just spark him back into life there was a hint in in um, one of his starts this season, that maybe he could come back. But overall, his profile in Australia hasn't been great. But if he does come back to that sort of form, he certainly has a chance. But there's a few like that, though, Michael, of these sort of former internationals. The epitome, well, we, you've got two you say European classic winners. You've got Magical Lagoon and Irish Oaks winner, who was yet in Ireland, sorry, in Australia, hasn't shown mm. that sort of form. And then you've got the the ultimate head scratcher, which is Serpentine. Serpentine. I mean, geez, you go back and look at his Derby victory In, with fifty one kilos. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he's a horse that made all to in the Derby in astonishing style. Now he was given an incredible ride by Emmett McNamara that day, but it can't have been just down to that. The the, the ability clearly is there somewhere. He hasn't shown it yet in Australia. In numerous attempts, he's looked a shadow of his former self. Even his good runs, he's been a shadow of his former self. But if he could come back to form, and if Gay and Adrian can work their magic, and I know Gay sounds uh, upbeat about him. Gay does sound upbeat, doesn't she? But but she does, she, she, she sounds keen on how he's performing. If he came back to anything like his Derby form off his way, mm. he'd be a major player as well. But uh, it's a big if. Yeah, a listener wants to get your thoughts on uh, Athabaskan, uh, who's a horse that... Um, has been racing really well for John O'Shea. It's been a while since he came over from um, France. Um, I'm not sure mm. the calibre of the races that he was My, racing there. Michael, you, you're going to have to get, you, get give me his name again. Uh, Athabaskan. He's well down the order. He probably needs to win on the weekend to get in. But uh, in Sydney, he's, he used to be a, a French horse. On the, oh, sorry, down the bottom. Yes. Um yeah, uh, again, a horse who had no sort of profile um, in Europe. Trained by Andre Farb. Um, listed class horse. We had him run into an RPR of 104 at his very best. Um, very much like um, 
Latoshka, um, who I can't get the pronunciation as good as, as Mrs. Mrs. Lastochka. Again, a horse who wouldn't have had a European profile at all, but again, for that reason, because she's sort of listed bordering on Great Three mm-hmm. class, more affordable. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, just looking in the form here, uh, the the Group Three winner Rose Hill was decent. Then the run behind Future History um, didn't run badly, did he? Behind um, behind Cleveland. Um, in the Mooney Valley Gold Cup, but but I, I'd be surprised looking at that. Yeah, look, I think he's uh, maybe a placeholder at best. What do you do with the Joseph O'Brien pair? Valiant King, who ran really well in a Caulfield Cup, yeah. the initial thoughts were that he may not be seasoned, uh, seasoned enough to go to a Melbourne Cup. They've said he's done very well. We'll keep him in there at the moment. Uh, he's currently 17th in order of entry. And Akita Sushi, who looked disappointing in the Caulfield Cup. Yeah. Um He's a big price when you think what he did at Royal Ascot. Um, I mean, that was a the handicap he won at Royal Ascot was was red hot. Um, he got a great ride by Ryan Moore, and he clearly been trained to peak there. Um, he has been. Uh, he was disappointing, say last time out, and he wouldn't be towards the top of my list to be honest. Um, Valiant King, I think, would be more interesting just because he brings that uh, textbook Northern Hemisphere three-year-old profile into a Melbourne Cup. Um, Again, purely on handicapping terms, I don't see how he beats Vauban Mm. on their run back at Nace uh, in the the Group 3 during the summer. But he ran a better race um, last time in the Caulfield Cup. That was a a decent effort. And whereas... um, some of the Caulfield Cup horses, I think that would have been their day. I, I, I think he's probably one that can build towards a Melbourne Cup. What's interesting though about him is that there's there's been no real sense of excitement generated about him. You know, with a horse like Vauban, there's such a momentum in terms of in terms of interest and in terms of confidence that hasn't been obvious yet with with Valiant King. A little bit of breaking news just coming through. Um, Daniel Moore, the jockey's just put out on social media that, unfortunately, due to an incident at the barrier trials at Cranbourne yesterday, uh, he's been stood down for riding for 12 days uh, due to the concussion protocol. So uh, Daniel Moore obviously uh, was knocked out or concussed yesterday. And for Daniel, it couldn't be at a worse time. That means he will miss the entire Melbourne Cup carnival. So shocking luck there for Daniel Moore, who was out for 12 days uh, in... Uh, uh, the concussion protocols that are currently in place here at Racing Victoria. Do you have the similar concussion protocols in the UK? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I imagine that most most major jurisdictions do. And sort of back home, in general sporting terms, concussion is becoming much more of a, a debate. It's clearly been a big thing in rugby. Um, and it, it's it's one of those, it's, it's quite hard to argue against, isn't it? I think if medical advice is saying you shouldn't mm. be doing this, it's hard to fight against it. Just speaking of other issues, the, the whip debate has once again uh, raised its head Mr. with... Mr Dottori. Uh, well, Mr Dottori over there and then here with um, yeah. the excessive whip use of Mark Zara on Without a Fight in the Caulfield Cup. The suspension for Dottori seems quite harsh. Yeah. One strike over the limit on two races, but it was doubled because it was a feature race yeah. day, ending up with 
um, 16, days. 16 days. So the standard would be four, double two, eight. eight. Yep. And it's two separate infringements. Two separate infringements. So have there been situations where a horse has lost a race due to excessive whip strikes in the UK? We've had horses' place have been have been DQ'd. Okay. Um, certainly no high-profile uh, winners as yet. The, 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 the nearest example would have been Mostadaf, won the Prince of Wales' stakes at... Um, sorry, not Mostert. Um, uh, Hookham won the King George VI and Queen Elizabeth Stakes at Royal Ascot under Jim Crowley in a Titanic finish with Westover. Jim Crowley, the jockey, used his whip nine times in that race. He picked up a 20-day suspension for that. But the key thing was the rules mean that you get DQ'd if you're four over the limit. Six is the limit for flat races. So if Jim had used his whip 10 mm. times once more, Hookham would have been disqualified. And Jim was saying after race that you do lose count. You, you're not thinking how many times you're hitting horses. It, this is what I think that's very hard for people who aren't jockeys um, sometimes to get their head around and uh, you, you imagine that um, you can count to, to six to seven to eight to nine but Jim Cry was adamant that in that situation that wasn't happening what is interesting though Michael is that certainly back home the 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 current emphasis around the whip rules is to try and deter infringements in the highest profile races, the races which most people are watching. Back in in February when I was over for the Asian Racing Conference, Judy Harrington, the BHA's chief executive back home, was talking about that, how they're the races that most eyes are on and they're the races that you don't want um, heavy whip use in. Um, And what we found with the rules in Britain since they were revised for this year is that after... Uh, a flurry of suspensions early on, things have slowed down, but then they accelerated again at Ascot on mm. Champions Day. And it wasn't just Jim Cra- uh, uh, Frankie who was banned. Uh, Sam James um, was banned. David Allen was banned as well. They both won race and they both picked up whip bans. So it's clearly in those races where you have um, the highest potential rewards where in Britain, jockeys have been breaking the whip rules most obviously. And as yet, um, the the DQ rule hasn't been enough to stop that happening in some of those biggest races. Um, as yet, there hasn't been a high-profile DQ, and that, of course, is the, is the big one. What would happen if a horse wins the champion hurdle, the Gold Cup, the Derby, the 2,000 guineas, and is then disqualified. And you have at the same time that really difficult debate about how whip rules have been um, heightened and have been made more severe and more stringent because governing bodies believe that the the public's impression of whip use is negative and they mm. want to bring it down. But yet when that happens in a big race because of new whip rules it gets greater coverage. So there's, there's a paradox at play. But what is clear is that all, across all jurisdictions, across all international racing jurisdictions, this traffic is only going in, in one direction. And you will speak to uh, racing leaders across both hemispheres who will believe that at some point in the 
not too distant future, the whip will be gone for all apart from uh, safety purposes. It's a massive discussion in all racing jurisdictions. Yeah. Uh, Lee, we'll get you on before the Melbourne Cup again, but as we sit here right now, it sounds like it's a pretty confident selection, Vauban. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be one that normally comes across and just goes rah-rah for the internationals, but I, I really think Vauban has a, a major shot at winning the race. A couple of... Uh, little uh, messages on how to overcome your jet lag as we go yeah. to a break. More bananas. Uh, bananas and sunlight is yeah. the clubhouse leader. I, I do like this. Um, Piggy Newman sent one in. A beer and a meat pie with sauce will fix you up. Um, and this one here, <laughs> you can try this one. Yeah, uh, have you on. had a beer and a meat pie yet? Uh, I've had a, I've had a meat pie, uh, I've had a couple of glasses of wine, no beer, and I completely resist this strange... Well, there, there are two things I find strange about Melbourne at the minute. One is the growth of the mullet among your young gentlemen, which is, is a strange one. But also this thing of putting tomato sauce on your meat pies. Oh, oh, it's, it's, I mean, all you can taste is the sauce. You, you haven't can't been taste out here long pie. enough. Um, and this one you can try Go back on. home. Yeah. Um, if this doesn't win me the prize bag, I don't know what mm -hmm. will. Twist both your ears and count to 65. You can thank me when you wake up. That's from Zonk. So, uh, try I'm only pleased there will be no cameras in my boudoir yes, tonight exactly. while I'm twisting my ears and counting uh, to 65. Uh, I'm going to give the... Well, that's close, Zonk. You've just been pipped. The Manong Estate Wines uh, today. You get a twin pack of the award-winning <laughs> Manong Estate Wines located in Mickleham, just 15 minutes from the Melbourne airport. I'm going to give it to... The Banana and Sunshine Tech. So you can try that this afternoon and let us know if it works tomorrow. That, I, 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 when I came into the studio, I did not expect it to become a, <laughs> a, a, a therapeutic a therapeutic session for That's me. That's what but we that do here well on RSN. Yeah, might well have helped. Uh, good on you, Lee. We'll Thank you. We'll catch up soon.